Realestateagent.com. Glad to be joined in studio today by Merle Kelch as we are making financial sense. Merle, uh, just getting set up, coming in uh, just a little late today, but you know what? Hey, it's Saturday. Who cares, you know? Screaming into the morning. Exactly. It's Saturday. We're going to let it slide. It Well... Yeah, you know, I've I've already said, folks, you know, to uh, young Mike, I said, is it time for a mixed drink yet? Is that wrong? No, no, it, it may be too early to drink it, but my friend, it is never too early to think about it. We got a point, especially when we uh, have a bill in Madison that is going to name the brandy old fashioned as the state's official cocktail. Well, as it should, it should be. Yeah. Corey so Tomchek we... out of uh, Mosini, one of the sponsors of that bill. So, well, you know. Sometimes expertise shows itself. It does. And, and that would be it. I've uh-huh. seen Corey have an old-fashioned myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so he yeah. has done the research on this yeah. uh, so topic. My morning starts out, everything just beautiful and hunky-dory this morning, and mm-hmm. everything working out well. And then all of a sudden, my body decided, well, I'm just going to drop everything, knock everything over, trip over everything, fall down, lose stuff, forget stuff, turn mm-hmm. around, have to get stuff again, and turn into one of those mornings. Ouch. So let's see how it goes now. Yeah, yeah. Very, very pain. It sounds very painful, especially <laughs> the part where you're running into things. Well, the other part is, is, uh, you know, folks, if you looked at my body shape, a pear would be a blessing. You are in I'm more shape. Like, I'm more like a gorilla. Round is a shape. Yeah. Did you ever see a gorilla wearing sweatpants? I have. Um, they don't stay up. <laughs> so as I'm walking out to the truck, carrying all my bags and getting stuff thrown in, um, I hear my wife yelling out of the house, come back, come back, come back. As I'm sitting there, and my drawers are just about hitting the ankles. You know how this goes. And uh, <laughs> like, oh, this has got to be beautiful to her, uh, to seeing this. And, and, of course, I had to run back in again. So it was just a great morning. Absolutely. But, hey, oh, we are here. And, here again, we are. as I like to say, this is the best part of my broadcast week, a live hour chatting with Merle and taking your phone calls at 715 you know, Merle, uh, I thought maybe we, we'd, we'd start with something basic today, again, given the uh, the morning oh, no. that you've had. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm a potential client walking in to Merle's office on Bridge Street in Wausau. I put down uh, some paperwork that shows what I've got in my 401k, and I say to the nice lady at the front desk, how can this company help me? Mm-hmm. How does this conversation then start? Let's say, I, let's say I'm walking in... Uh, you know, unannounced, and I say, here, I have this money. How can you help me? How can this company help me? Well, that's a really good question. I could refer you to the state where old fashions are now the official mixed drink. They could do that. Okay. The I, could state help, of, I could help with that. Yeah, you, could, yeah, you, you would help with me. With Wisconsin. You, you, would, you would take my money and give it to the state of Wisconsin? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. What's yeah. interesting is, is we never get that where a person walks into our office and says, okay, how can you help me? It never works out that way. And so- Usually have an appointment. Uh, it, well, usually have an appointment or something of that nature. And, and uh, on my notes, if anybody ever, you know, any of my clients or anybody ever has come to see me, they'll always write down, I put down two cues. And, and I write down two cues on my, on my pages and it's almost it's probably just about a, literally on every client's uh, pages and notes if we go back and- you know, look through the now scan documents, nobody holds paper anymore. But mm-hmm. we look at it, and two cues always represents, you know, what two questions, and I don't know if I even say two questions anymore, but I would start out and say, what two questions or what two areas do you think I might be able to get you the most information or help you answer the most questions? Because people come in because there's, a, there's something wrong, there's something coming up, they're unsure about something, and so we usually start from there. So then we usually start getting information to a person. So whether a person becomes a uh, client of ours or not at that point in time, at least I can get them to the right direction so their time is not wasted uh, coming in to hang out with me. 
So I enjoy people coming and hang out with me. It's a good time. But, uh, you know, we don't want to have coffee every single day. That doesn't necessarily keep the lights on. Of course. Um, but we usually start out like that. And so, you know, in our industry, and we'll go through a conversation with people because people want to say, well, how much do you charge? And I'll usually tell them a lot. And I just leave it at that. And right. they, when the panic, you know, subsides from their face, uh, <laughs> our, our industry is pretty standardized, folks. So whether you're seeing a, a financial professional like Kelch or you're seeing a financial professional like Smith, you're seeing a financial professional like uh, Wojciechowski, yes, old high school friend. Sure. Um, no matter what the name is or the person is, there's not one person doesn't charge more than the other. At least not some things might be a little bit different, but really it's not. So the industry is pretty standardized, and it really kind of comes down to for the expenses and the fees that you're paying, what are you getting back from it? And that's usually where the issues start coming in. That's usually where relationships change between one advisor to another advisor and a client moving from one place to another is because that person didn't feel they were getting what they had expected or getting what they're paying for from a fee or a commission or something of that nature. But make no mistake about it, folks. If you're working with somebody in the investment industry, someplace you're paying them, and hopefully that person has the ability to tell you how. Unfortunately, I think in this industry, a lot of advisors mm -hmm. or reps that can't tell a client how they're getting paid or they don't want to tell them how they're getting paid. But one way or another, somebody's getting paid for their time uh, spending with you, helping to sort out those questions that you may have. And, uh, you know, I think another thing that, that people might sometimes be hesitant about before they come in for a, for a meeting like this is we're talking with Merle Kelch here on Making Financial Sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, and online at WSAU.com. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call at 715-845-2155. And one of those things that I think uh, you, some people might be a bit hesitant about is, is they say, well, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's a good deal. I don't know what's a bad deal. I, I just know that there's somebody from work that handles a 401k on my behalf, and I'm just good with that. So I don't want to be coming into an office like this and having questions where somebody's going to be talking over my head, and I'll just nod and agree to be polite. Yeah. You know... You hit upon something that's that's kind of good. Um, for the longest time, and I can't speak for the 401k, 403b industry now, um, but at one point in time, there are a lot of people who are in that industry that weren't properly licensed to give any sort of investment advice. <clears throat> I'm not saying that there's not, but the bulk of them weren't. In our industry, folks, we have what's called the the Series 7, which is the top of the tier. I mean, that's you, you can't, you can probably get more licensed, but that's probably the hardest one that's out there. And I'm, I'm blessed to have passed it. Sometimes I'm not really sure how, but I did a long time ago. There were a lot of notes on the back of the calculator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then you have what's called the Series 6. And the Series 6, there's nothing wrong with people who do Series 6, but uh, they give information for typically mutual funds, variable annuities that can do so. Um, but they, they have a lot of extra testing that they have to do if they want to be able to give investment advice. And investment advice is a whole other set of licensing, and it's another really hard one. Um, called a 65 or a 66. Not to bore you with those numbers, but a lot of people who would work, and I'm saying past tense because I don't know now, I don't know a lot of people that work exclusively inside of the 403B or 457 or or uh, 401K marketplace any longer. Usually a lot of those are just done by firms today. Um, but at one, some point in time, people who would work in there would not have the Series 7 licensing. And so in doing so then, when you started saying, well, hey, where should I invest based upon this or how do I do this or you know, I'm doing this over here. How do I invest this and make the other part? They, they couldn't give the answer because they weren't licensed to give investment advice um, along the way. And so as a result, many people 
um, thought, well, I you know I have somebody that I talk to with my 401k or my 403b or again 457 plan. They all are all called uh, you know, deferred wages type of plans. And um, with it, um, people weren't getting investment advice because the people who they were talking to couldn't do it. And so a lot of people, I think, missed out on some good opportunities over the course of years because they didn't talk to somebody who was licensed to be able to give that type of information or that type of advice. And you don't have to have just a Series 7. I mean, there's other things, too. You can have uh, Series 65 and that type of stuff to have conversation with people who are licensed to give that type of advice. And when I mean license, it simply means that they took a license that says if they screw up, somebody's going to sue them. That's what the license means, basically. <laughs> okay. It, and so as a result of that, I think a lot of people missed that with a 401k. Um, we had some good people that came into our office this past week that listened to the show, and thank you for listening, by the way. Uh, they came in and said, well, when do I need a financial advisor? I'm like, well, it's probably a really good idea to talk to somebody uh, when you're 30. And the joke was uh, they're 60. You know, So, <laughs> okay. um, so you know, it's a good idea to start at any particular point in time because usually they can set you on a path that will start you out right off the bat. So if you call up and you talk to a financial advisor, um, and you can say, you know, where should I go? What should I do? Even in the most basic sense, they can get you started on a plan to start dollar cost averaging into a mutual fund or some sort of an account or something uh, to start getting you put some money away and saving on a regular basis. The most difficult part in our industry that I find is getting started. Mm-hmm. So once you get started, then it starts really rolling and you start putting the money away and it starts working out really well. Um, I have a story on that that's kind of interesting. A person who used to work for me and she had passed away and, and God bless her some time ago. Um, but she was working with me. She started putting, <clears throat> excuse me, fifty dollars away into a five twenty nine plan for her daughter. And as the years went on, um, she had passed away. Um, an employee, my friend, uh, she had passed away, um, and her um, husband uh, then uh, came in and says, "I thought we should put some money inside of a, you know, five twenty nine plan because her daughter was now getting of age to to go to college and go to school." Mm-hmm. And I said, "I know we did it, and I know we started it, but." When she moved to a, a, another firm and worked in another industry company like ours, I, th- I said, she moved it over there, but let me take a look. So I had enough information. I could go and do the inquiry. Uh, we found it. And at $50 a month when she started when her child was, you know, three or four years old, all of a sudden it's 25000 bucks in it. And so just the power of just a little bit starting yep. early just really compounds itself into something larger later on. And that's where it starts. Even if you're 30, talk to a financial professional. Even if they start you on, on 25 or $50 a month, um, it grows to be something relatively large, um, and it works out uh, fairly uh, uh, fairly good that way. So there's no bad time, I guess, is the mm-hmm. bottom line to seeing somebody. Um, and usually when you're younger, the fees and expenses are pretty inexpensive because you're not putting away $500,000 when you're 30. Right. He is Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll be back with more after this. And online at WSAU.com as well. We are making financial sense with uh, Merle, Merle Kelch. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. Uh, Merle, again, just going over what a great morning uh, that he has had. <laughs> you, I understand you you nearly uh, nearly got Thanksgiving dinner. I, I did. Um, this morning? Yeah, so folks were just kind of having fun with how my morning has just been going. Uh, right to the point where... Um, I got stuck putting my sock on this morning because I just it's just a it's a just it's just a whole quagmire, and so as I'm rushing to get here, um, I hope our Wausau Police Department isn't listening. But yes, I'm doing 50 plus in a 35 in a country road. I'm trying to rush. I come over a hill and there's 20 turkeys in the middle of the road, and so I had to slam on a brace for that. It was just a great time. But 
did you oh, bag wonderful. any of the turkeys? I missed the turkeys. You missed the turkeys. I, okay. I, well, all the turkeys are safe. There's no uh, nothing was harmed in the making of this uh, this program until, of course, uh, you know they get harvested for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Well, they're wild ones. They get a shot yet. Okay, they get a shot yet. Yeah. Merle, uh, yeah, look, taking a look at uh, you know what's what's going on this week. What what have you been watching? You know, one of the things I want to take a I'm going to take a step back as we can look forward in here is an article by Mark Holbert, which um, I like Mark's stuff. He does a lot of stuff that contributes to my conversations on this uh, program. But he said, "Don't give up on a 60-40 portfolio now, as it's been a good insurance policy in an unpredictable stock market." And so let me take a step back on it. A 60-40 portfolio is typically 60% stock, 40% bonds. And it's been the uh, the bellwether, the uh, the spine, if you will, the thing that's carried the torch for a long time in regards to portfolios. And, and, and nothing wrong with a 60-40 portfolio with the exception of a couple things. And that is, and we have times of high, or low interest rates and high bond prices, it gets fleeced. And that's exactly what happened in 21 the 60 portfolio, depending upon the measure, was down some 22%, and it's supposed to be the most conservative type of a portfolio that's out there. And so with it, a lot of people inside of the bonds right now are looking at it saying, well, geez, this is terrible. Do I want to be in this? Are bonds good or bonds bad? And he makes a pretty good point in here with a number of different things, and he's using all kinds of technical data, and I'll, I'll not bore you with that. But the point inside of this article that he goes through and he says, well, you know, the long-term average has been about 7.1%, which, you know what, that's really not all that bad for a long-term average in a portfolio. You know, the epitome of a balanced portfolio, with exception of 21, uh, where you, I'm sorry, in 22, where everybody just got fleeced in it. But we look at this, remember, folks, um, we talked about it so many times in this program, and I want to come back to my 60-40 portfolio thought in this article, is if we take a look at when interest rates go up, the value of bonds come down. Well, going back to 2008, Ben Bernanke uh, dropped interest rates to near zero uh, because we had no idea what was happening as a result of the financial conditions. It stayed at near zero for a long time, and um, uh, and it, it may have gone up a little bit, but you know then the pandemic happened, so it stayed there. So the abnormal abnormality, as we've said for the last number of weeks, has been that 0%, 1%, 2% interest rate. That's the abnormality. So the normalcy is actually now right about the 6% mark if we talk about mortgages at least. So when interest rates went up, all these bonds that were overpriced came falling down in value, and now the prices are good. You know, So the prices of the bonds are fine. The problem is, is that so many people refinance, and businesses refinance those bonds back at that 2 and 3% rate. So if I go to buy a corporate bond or a municipal bond right now, I'm getting that 2 or 3%. And I look at it, and we look at it for clients and go, well, why in the SAM double H E W toothpicks or how many we spell that I don't remember anymore from a kid. But if we take a look at that, why would I buy something that's going to pay me two or 3% when I can now go to a CD and find five and we're finding even five plus now, I think the, the record we found was 5.6% mm-hmm. for a one year CD. So why would I do that with a CD that's riskless? You know, we have FDIC backup on that. So I don't have any market risk. I don't have any other risk and it's a pretty good rate for a one year period of time. So what I look at then in this is this. If I'm looking at, you know, the interest rates coming up, you know, from the Fed, which is now about 5%, the Federal Reserve is charging back and forth as in between a 55 to 575 And if not quite there, it's going to be soon because the Fed's more than likely going to go up a quarter of a point. Something's got to happen to those bond rates because if I'm a corporation and I want to issue some bonds to raise some money for my new widget machine or my new expansion, 
Um, I'm not going to be able to issue new bonds at 3% because nobody's going to buy them when they can go to the bank at mm-hmm. 55 or 5% interest rates. And so what we're going to see is that the reissue of these new bonds are going to have to come out at higher interest rates. So now we're going to get interest rates that are going to be higher, and I would suspect we're going to see them somewhere in the 55 to 7% range for new issue bonds that are coming out you know, probably about now. And now folks have been traveling a ton lately, so I have not had a chance to dig into research. Uh, but I will in two weeks. Uh, I got to be in Dallas again next week. Sorry, yep. I'll still be gone. But but what's happening then is that all these bonds are going to start reissuing at higher interest rates as companies, municipalities want to have new bonds. So now we have to look at this to spark the economy and fire the economy up. What does the Federal Reserve do with interest rates? Mm-hmm. They make them go down. So now we've bought all these nice bonds, and this is coming, folks. We're not doing this right now today, by the way. So this is a, keep this in your head. So now we've all these nice bonds that are going to be paying, you know, maybe five and a half or six or maybe even 7%. And now interest rates are going to go down. Remember the teeter-totter. Now interest rates go down. The value of the bonds come up. So we not only make money in growth, but we also get a nice interest rate at the same time when interest rates are going to go down. So that's coming, folks. It's literally coming. Will it be in two months? Don't know. Will it be in three? No idea. Will it be in six? Maybe. But it's coming. And so now we're looking at it, a portfolio is saying, well, will a 60-40 portfolio be good if we go into a recession? I think the answer is going to be yes, because we have the good conservative 60% equity portfolio, 40% inside of a bond portfolio when the interest rates on the bonds and the issue bonds get uh, correct, um, and interest rates go down, it looks like we're going to make money either way. Again, recessions don't mean that we don't make money. We just have to look at it and do it differently. Mm-hmm. Indeed, be able to pivot, be able to you know maneuver ourselves, right. and again, have these conversations like we talked about earlier. Be able to go in there, talk to your financial planning uh, advisor, be that Merle, be that somebody else, and say, uh, wait a minute, can we do something differently to help maximize our returns here because – Quite frankly, we would like to go to Nova Scotia for a cruise or something like that. Sure. Why Nova Scotia? I don't know. I, it was just the first area I thought of to come out of my head. Again, I, I, I always say Iceland if I win the lottery. But yeah, you know, well, I, I wouldn't go there in January. That might be a little chilly. It, it can still be beautiful. You never know. Well, I'm not going to say it won't be beautiful. It's cold. <laughs> it would just be cold, yes. He is Merle Kelch for Making Financial Sense on AM550, FM99, 9WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Now, again, Merle, I guess my theme today is uh, bring this to us in uh, in layman's terms. Bring this, uh, or as Michael Scott on The Office once said, uh, explain this to me like I'm five. So you're talking about a 60-40 portfolio. Somebody that's just got that uh, investment uh, from the job, from the 401k, with Voya, with One America, with BMO Harris, whoever that may be. Do, is that something like, do they have a 60-40 split in there, or are they just at the mercy of whatever the powers that be at Voya or whatever company it is think yeah. is a good idea. I'm, I'm going to say yes or no. If you look at a 401k, and again, I'm going to use all the um, uh, the deferred, they call it an elective deferral plan where you're electively deferring money mm-hmm. into a plan. So 401k, 457, 403b plans. I'm going to lump them all together here, folks, and just say 401k for sake of ease. But if you have one of the others, know that it's about the same. So depending upon what company is managing that 401 1k for your company um, and everyone's got a little bit something different in how they do it now folks it's not the fidelity or you know, um, uh, i'm trying to remember empower is another one locally 
Uh, it's not them that are determining what the investments are. They may have a package. Um, but the investments are really chosen by the board or the committee or whomever is uh, is doing this for on behalf of your business. So they're saying, well, we want that one. We don't want this one. We have this. There's some basic stuff they have uh, to pass what's called 404C, which is the rules governing how a 401KS work and pieces and so forth. And so so with it then, um, they're saying, okay, we're going to have that one and that one, and companies do throw in a package. Now, an easy package for a company to have that helps them get away from the requirements of saying that they've given you enough investment choices as they put in target funds um, or, or growth funds or asset allocation funds or something of that nature. Um, and so, and I'm not a big fan of what's called a target fund, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. So a target fund might be um, you're 20 years from retirement, Mike, uh, retirement, and uh, so you're 45 years old, you're going to retire at 65. And so in there, they add, you know, today's date and they add 20 years to it. So we've got a, a 2043 fund uh, that's ready to go for you. And you put it in there now, that fund magically has everything you want or need in it to retire at 2043. Mm-hmm. Except that's not how you would necessarily invest, probably wouldn't invest. And it takes no, you know, it takes no adjustment to if interest rates are going up or down. It just has a mathematical model that it follows. As you get older, it adds more bonds. Well, right now, probably not a bad idea if we look at it for the next five years, just as we discussed a minute ago. But if we look five years ago when interest rates, I'm sorry, when bond prices are at 15 and 20% high, and now you're in a portfolio that keeps adding you more and more into bonds as you're getting closer to retirement, it built a time bomb. And a lot of these funds just got fleeced. And so I'm not a big fan of those inside of a 401k. They also have asset allocation models, which I like, which might say, well, I want to be a uh, a 70-30 mix. I want to be a 60-40 mix. I want to be a 20 or a 90-10 mix, you know, or 80-20 mix. And so those I like because they're going to stay within the model. They're not going to start shifting as we get older inside of a portfolio. I'm a better fan of working with a financial professional and having that 401k, making adjustments as needed. You build a portfolio, you rebalance if things get heavy, um, get a little bit top heavy, um, uh, make some adjustments as time come on. For example, you might say, well, Given where interest rates are, we're going to shift away from int- from bonds. Given where interest rates are, we're going to shift back into some bonds. And the biggest part of it, too, is when you have some companies within a 401k, they only let you buy the company stock, and we see people just get way overweighted inside of that one company stock. Bad idea, by the way. There's a company out there called Enron. Don't know if you've heard of them. <laughs> uh, um, yes. so, so seeing a financial professional is going to help keep you away from drinking too much of the Kool-Aid to make sure you're diversified outside of that 401k. Because for most of us, it's going to be the biggest part of what we put away for retirement. He is Merle Kelts for Making Financial Sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll be back with more after this. But first, here's a check of your news. 841 on this Saturday morning on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Making Financial Sense on this uh, Saturday morning, taking you up to Badger football today at 1230. Uh, Badgers taking on the University of Illinois. And, of course, uh, we now turn things over to our sports betting expert, uh, Merle Kelch, who is looking at the over-under on the game as we speak right now. Odds of that are low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and again, Merle, we, I'd like to throw in something fun every now and then. How about the over-under today on that Iowa game? 31 points in a college football game? I'm still taking the under. You know... 
I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't remember. I don't look at the games enough to even have any idea. I'd have to call the son-in-law and say, "Okay, what are we doing with this?" Exactly. exactly. He seems to do pretty well at betting upon games, and and I'm proud of him too. He says, "I don't take money from my pocket." He said, "I go give blood," and he said, "That's my gambling money for sports gambling." Okay, we're good with that. As long as the household's okay, we're good. Indeed, as long as the household is good. Yeah, I know that that was the huge talk even around the office yesterday. People had said, "Don't they don't do much about." sports betting or know much about it they were like 31 points for the over under for a college football game seems a little low but when it involves the university of iowa and they only score 17 points a game well seems like that can make sense yeah the problem is they always have some sort of a breakout and it screws up well that's what they call the betting isn't it exactly exactly yeah. only no. oh, at like the bond market at times only put in what you can afford to lose that's right i can honestly say that i've only bet on a sports game one more t- one time and it was the packers Years ago, and I want to say it was Seattle, and we happened to be um, out in Wendover. And uh, with that being the case. Where it's legal to do so, of course. Where it's legal to do so. And the manager. Throwing that in there to make sure you don't lose your license. The the manager of all the gaming tables, not of the sports betting, but the gaming tables, um, was a friend. And he says, I'll show you how you do bet if you want to do it. He goes, you don't bet on the stuff everybody's going to think, like win or loss. He says, you don't do that. He said, said, you put a dollar down on the 500 to 1 and who's going to kick the first field goal. Or something like that. He said, but you, you know, he said, for 10 bucks, he said, you could actually win pretty good. And I did. I don't remember what it was, but one of them paid off like 250 to one. And I won $250 for my dollar bet. And I'm like, hey, this is a good deal. I like this. Uh, it covered, covered my bar tab. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quit while you're ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, all the ones, you know, who's going to have the first field go? Who's yeah. going to have the first kickoff? You know, and all that sort of stuff. He said, that's the stuff you want to bet on. They call those the prop parlays. Is by that the it? Way. Okay. Yes. Well, there we go. I just looked at the big numbers, and that's pretty much where I went. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Uh, Merle, what uh, again, what are, you, what are you reading right now? So there's a there's an interesting article that's out there, and this kind of goes back to a, probably one of the biggest questions I, I get all the time in my office or when people call in. And so it's an opinion piece uh, by Jonathan um, Kumarianos, Irish fella. Um, it says, opinion, the 4% rule for retirement spending is now the 4.7% rule, and I knew where he was going with this and just kind of smiling at it because I've always used five for many, many years. And simply what this is, folks, is you know, how much of your money do you take out? And so in here they go in the article and say, well, it used to be 4%, but now interest rates have gone up. Essentially, we now use a 4.7% distribution rate to uh, right-size the nest egg that's needed to generate it and going on and so forth. Well, I agree with that. The interest rates, we're seeing a lot of companies, uh, insurance companies that pay out uh, you know, guaranteed income streams, and that's kind of stuff that are, you know, going up to 5 and 7% and, and uh, uh, different types of caveats on that. Now, folks, that it's not like a CD, so don't say, well, Merle, I want that guarantee. No, it doesn't work like that. It's a whole different type of an animal. But uh, the rates that go up for what's called a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit, or GMWB is the generic term for it, um, they're starting to creep up because we're starting to see the interest rates go up. And so we're seeing the same thing now happening in recommended amount of money that you take out from your percentages of income. So we've used 5% for a long time, and that's never been an issue for us along the way. So essentially, folks, it comes out for us for and saying, well, if you want 50000 a year from your investments, you need to have a million bucks. And a lot of people go, what? I said, well, you subtract from that Social Security, but it's 5%. Use 5% for that number. That's the number you want to use. Um, we've never had anybody go broke with that unless they spent too much, but that's another part of the conversation. And so that number, bonafide, right here, says it's now 4.7%. I've used five for 30 years, and nobody's starving yet. So, But there you go. Yeah. New rule. New rule. Higher interest, rate, interest rates go up. Weird, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, strange. The, and then, of course, what is it now? The cost of living adjustment for Social Security next year? Uh, still, still, uh, what was it? I, I saw the number. Was it 3.2 or 3.3? I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you look at it between the last two years, it's up over um, um, 11%, 12%. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good jump in Social Security. Um, God bless those people on Social Security, but the unfortunate part, we also, as the taxpayers, all have to pay for that Social yeah. Security. Uh, uh, believe me, I'm not counting on it being there for me when I yeah, get well, that age. Yeah, well, it'll probably be there, but uh, not quite what it not quite what <laughs> right. it is. I might have a shot at my age. We'll see. You know, so <laughs> yes, I uh, you know you know, and I've always said, look, you know, whatever whatever I end up you know getting out of that, I'm I'm probably still going to be working in some capacity. Might be a greeter at you know a, a business of sorts, but I'll still be doing something to keep mm-hmm. myself busy. You know, you'll have the the retirement income. You'll have, uh, you know, whatever else is just going to be gravy on top of that. As I like to say, that's going to be my money to go see the Angels on an East Coast road trip for a week or sure. uh, something like that. I, uh, you know, I I look at um, Social Security, but you know, I'm 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 59, and so well, a few weeks away. Um, so the probability of me hitting Social Security and having taken it. Pretty good. I think I'll be okay from that standpoint. But um, I've never bet on that. But then again, um, I'm probably not going to retire, at least not in the normal sense. I have a lot of people. I think it's because you know things are getting a lot more gray on me, and I'm slowing down and sagging more. You know all that sort of stuff. That well, when are you going to retire? And I said, well, I, I don't know that I'm going to. I have colleagues in this business that are in their 80s still doing this type of work. Um, you have a lot more good people behind you doing all the day the data stuff, and mm-hmm. I've got a a great assistant in the office, Kim. She does almost all the daily stuff. I'm not going to say I really do much other than answer some phone calls. So I pretty much see clients all the time. Um, but the beautiful part about that is usually the good people that I see are people I've known for 10, 15 years in this industry. So it's BSing with friends. I don't know why I'd want to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's either there or you have to do it in a bar, and it's a lot better in my office. There's less <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, yeah. It's a, certainly a lot more cheap, a lot cheaper, and you don't have to tip anyone. Yeah, that's exactly correct. You know, so the Dow has its worst close uh, lower. Uh, of course, iPad just went crazy. The Dow books the worst week in a month. U.S. stocks closed lower after a weekly rise in Treasury yields and oil prices. So, an article by Christina Zellis and Joseph Andolf, Andolfini, Andolfi. There we go. And so, with this article, um, it's just kind of a summary of what's going on right now. We've seen the market, you know, terrible September, which isn't abnormal october is really not much different until the end usually and remember folks the best months of the year tend to be the the latter parts of november's december's january march february's uh, tend to be the better parts of the year um but we look at it and we sort of say well why is that the case you know we look at the dow the dow fell 1.6 percent s p 2.4 percent and this is of course of the last week uh nasdaq 3.2 percent um you know a bunch of that of course is we're going to see some tesla having some effect in that Interesting enough, Tesla founded as a car company. Huh. Really? Yeah, huh. weird. I found out that when cars don't sell, they don't make money. Weird. And the stock goes down. Weird. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. All right, tongue-in-cheek, here we go. <laughs> um, but in here, of course, the um, treasuries, of course, you know, the, the surge of the 5% going up, um, that simply means, well, the Federal Reserve actually reduced interest rates. Um, we saw Chairman Powell, of course, talking about his remarks on Thursday and um, looking at that and, Somebody actually said something in here. We, we don't think the Fed's going to cut interest rates until maybe until late 24, 25. Well, yeah, <laughs> we got to slow down inflation first. 
And it still floors me that somebody thinks that interest rates are going to start being cut next month or next week or even by next quarter. They're going to start going down. No, they're not. They're going to they're going to continue to stay at this for some time. Remember, we're at the normalcy. We just went through the abnormal portion of it. So we had the battle of that. Of course, we had the battle of uh, in our minds going on once with Hamas, uh, the interest rates that are happening. So all this sort of stuff is kind of leading to the marketplace, what's going on. And I still think part of the underlying things that we have in here are student loan debt repayment. Is I think that's going to be a big slowdown that's going to happen inside of the economy for many people, especially millennials, not so much the boomers, but the millennials. And that's just slowdown spending, though I have to say uh, spending has uh, been pretty good. So the war repercussions, what's interesting about this is um, it's having an effect on oil prices, but not as much as we might think. It actually goes to another article. Um, so I'm splitting between two articles here, folks. Um, Myra Sifong wrote a nice article about what happens with oil prices usually this time of the year. And generally this time of the year, we see oil prices fall off because the summer travel season's done. Oil prices fall off. A lot of manufacturers build a certain amount of uh, reserves so that they can go through and get the, everything repaired, reformulated for what's going to be happening coming up, get their equipment repaired and that kind of stuff. So oil prices are still coming down, uh, but because of the uncertainty between Israel and Hamas, uh, the oil prices just haven't come down as much as we would normally see. So down, yes, uh, not up, but it's down less as a result of uncertainty um, from what we'd have now. So for you know this particular point in time, um, smile as the oil prices are going down. They're just not going down as much as we would have seen, uh, say, a year ago. Uh, diesel, of course, not coming down as much because we just have a bit of shortage of diesel happening right now. Um, I think it's that time of the season where people start filling up their oil tanks, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. for the winter season. Um, and, of course, um, I have a diesel truck, so I'm really happy about that part of it. It's really, yes. uh, really kind of nice. Yes, and uh, the, the, <laughs> the biggest thing is we've not been able to access our quick rewards as well to cash in on some of those uh, yeah, gas uh, uh, fuel credits that we have built up. But that's another issue for uh, for another time. Yeah. He's Merle Kelch for Making Financial Sense. We'll be back to wrap up the show after this. But first, here's Chris Conley with this day. With Merle Kelch and uh, Merle just in the last few minutes uh, that we have here again. Uh, a lot of the questions that I've been asking you today, I guess, are, are, are some of the, you know, kind of the basics. How do you get started? in something like this and planning for something as big as your retirement like this. So I, the, the last thing I'll, I'll ask you is say I've got the money in the 401k, you know, we've got for uh, simplicity's sake, we've got $100,000 in there. Is it possible for somebody like me to go to somebody like you and say, here's the money I have put away. I'm thinking of retiring in 10 years. What do you recommend that I do with it? Well, if you got a hundred thousand, you want to retire in ten years? We suggest lottery tickets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to need a little more than that. <laughs> that was yes. a joke, folks. Just a joke. <laughs> um, the the amount of software that's out there and in public software you can find online all over the place is is huge to help tell you those answers. So you know you look through and say, if I want to retire and this is the income that I desire at 62, and this is how much Social Security is going to be, this is how much money at a given interest rate you're going to have to have to be able to get there. There's mountains of software out there that, that will tell you how to do that calculation. It's easy. If you see a financial professional, they also are going to have a ton of software that's going to do it. Some of them even have, like, pretty graphs. Ooh. Yeah. Who cares about the <laughs> – All right, so old grumpy guy came out. So so in here, um, they'll tell you that. But the, the, the issue then is is how do we get you there? So that's mm -hmm. where the issue then comes in. So there's a difference between a person who says, well, geez, um, okay, let's do that. 
um, but I'm not really aggressive. I want to be conservative. That's a whole different subset of ideas. Then a person says, well, I'll put my goggles on, turn my head backwards. I don't care. Let's go for it. So two different mindsets, and you have to be able to get through that in our industry and say, okay, how do we do it based upon what this person wants to do? So I always like to have a person be someplace in the middle where you're not going crazy at the same time. You're taking a little bit of risk to be able to generate the rates of returns. So that's what I take a look at. And so with it, then it starts determining a couple of factors. One is how much do you have to put away? Sometimes that means a person has to get a part-time job, or as I was saying before, you know, sell some blood Mm -hmm. um, or plasma. Um, So sometimes you have to look at it in that fashion. There's times that we'll have people that will see them in their 45 or 50 years old and they want to retire at 62. And we say, okay, now you're going to have to change your budget because your budget's wrong. Um, And as a result of that, we're going to save all of your income for husband or wife, and you're going to live off the other one. And then they start having heart attack. And then you say, okay, if you stay on the same path that you're at, that's what's going to happen anyway. You might as well get used to it now. At least you have a shot. Right. So sometimes we have to be the bearer of bad news in our industry and just tell people, okay, if you want to get there, here's how you can do it. But the, the math to tell you how much, that part is easy. But putting it together based upon who you are, what you want to do, what you want to achieve, how many children you have, planning for the roof to leak and the furnace to break down, that's where all the stuff comes in from our standpoint. It's been a long conversation. Our industry is saying, is AI going to take over from us? They said, well, the math part, that's already out there. Yeah. Um, so artificial intelligence do that, but the artificial intelligence can't predict uh, when the tire is going to go out or the furnace is going to break um, or the kids need a hand or you start hearing, Mommy, do you have? Can I? Will you? <laughs> you start hearing all those things. It, it can't. It, it, it can't measure in those probabilities. Uh, you know what? I think I'm just going to turn to uh, collecting trading cards. <laughs> I, that you know, the lottery's got a little. T- the odds are a little too much, too long there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go play the safe route with uh, trading cards. There you go. You need to have a uh, you know a, a podcast on how to sports bet. Exactly. There you that go. Too. Sports bet for dummies. Merle, like uh, if uh, if somebody wants to start having that conversation with you at the office, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Folks, we will absolutely be in the office on Monday. Thursday, not so much, but we'll be there Monday through Wednesday. We have a <laughs> conference for our industry um, happening in uh, Dallas, so I have to fly down there on Thursday, and it kills me because it's right in the middle of you know the, the best part of, of hunting season. Mm-hmm. It's killing me, but I have to be down there. So I will be down, but we'll be back in the office certainly on Monday through Wednesday this week. Uh, we will have uh, Mary in our office this week, so we will all be good. You give us a call, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop on in. Give us a call, 715-849-3600 or toll-free outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelshinassociates.com. We'll be back with more next week here on WSAU Live from Dallas.